Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. We are back with the Women's Football Podcast and this week I have got Alejandro Diago with us. How are things? How are things, Angelina? Everything good? Yes, all good. And we also have Emily Wilson joining us. You've been away for a little bit. You're back. How is life? Things are good. Nice to be back in the swinging th- the swing of things. Thanks for having me. No worries. Right, well, let's just get stuck into it. Um, talking about the Women's Super League, it was pretty much business as usual, especially for Chelsea as they got back to winning ways. I can imagine, you know, Emma Hayes was absolutely uh, making sure that they got that win, um, you know, no matter what after the defeat. Um, of course, they got that 4-0 victory over Everton. Um, Arsenal also scored the same amount of goals in their win over Reading, Manchester United. I've been very surprised so far. I had a great game against Leicester City um, with that brilliant goal from Ella Toon. But for Manchester City, it really has not been their week. Now, Alejandro, don't worry. And Emily also, because I know you both, uh, you know, you admire Real Madrid. Uh, shall we put it that way? Uh, we'll chat about the Champions League results later. Um But talking about Manchester City in the Women's Super League, you know, they suffered a controversial loss against Spurs. Um, It was Man City's first league defeat at home since April 2018. There was a clear handball from Rosella Ayane in the build-up to the 86-minute winner from Spurs. Alejandro, there's no real argument with this one. I mean, it was handball, wasn't it? Uh, Totally, really. The player touches intentionally the ball and it should have been disallowed. And this makes another reason to have VAR in women's game, really. We cannot stand more like without VAR. It's a tremendous mistake for the referee that the VAR uh, will have corrected immediately. 100%. I mean, there have already been some controversial decisions in the Women's Super League. You know, we're only a few weeks into the competition and already there has been so many cries for it to happen. Emily, do you think that maybe, I guess, the only good thing that comes out of these mistakes is that maybe it will enhance the argument for VAR and goal line technology? Yeah, absolutely. Like you said before, that's already two match days in a row where, you know, the topic's been brought up. The first one was in the Chelsea-Arsenal match and then obviously the City Spurs this time around. And it kind of comes down to why why not? Like, what's the reason for not Mm. having it? Is there an argument? I mean, money, I'm sure, is the answer there. But other than that, I, I don't really know. I think it should be implemented uh, as soon as possible, really, because things like this can't keep on happening. It really can't. And it's just, um, it's like you say, you know, it's already happened twice. As the season goes on, I think we're going to have more mistakes um, and, you know, with more eyes on the game, especially in the UK now. Let's hope that it can be implemented. I mean, you know, looking at the result, though, Despite the decision on the Spurs goal, yes, 100%, we're all in agreement it was wrong. To an extent, though, Alejandro, do you feel like City maybe only have themselves to blame? Because it's safe to say that they didn't really capitalise on their chances. Uh, for sure, really, City was the team who was carrying the weight of the game during most time of it. And they were the ones who even opened the score and the ones who were who were controlling the game. But... When they forgive so much chances, when they miss so much chances, that you don't kill the game. And what happens that you don't kill the, when you don't kill the game? That the, the opponent team, they they get more more spirit, more moral, and they go for the, the victory. And that is what happened to Tottenham. 
they they weren't the ones who were taking the control of the game, but finally they had their chances and they had the goals and they had the points. Exactly. They um and like you say, that's what happens in these games. And I think Sissy kind of acknowledged that they they do really have themselves to blame. But looking at Spurs, of course, it's two wins out of two. We've spoken on the podcast before about Spurs and, of course, the lack of goals that we had last season and how, you know, we were expecting more from the team this season. Emily, so far, I mean, they are pretty much delivering, aren't they? But do you think it will last? Uh, I do, actually. I think there's a shift in mentality, like, from last season compared to what we've seen so far, or at least a glimpse of the shift. And, you know, like you said, they're scoring and um, like Alejandro brought up as well, you can tell they're not willing to give up on things right away. They're taking their chances. They're playing until the last second, just like they did against City. And I mean, handball controversy or not, it ended up going in their favor because they didn't let up. I mean, looking at the schedule up next, I believe is Reading for Spurs. Mm. Um, and they're at the bottom of the table with a negative six goal differential, if I look at it correctly. So, you know, let's see how many goals Spurs can put into the back of the net there maybe we'll get a better idea but I definitely think they're in the hunt for goals this season yeah and it is great to see because you know when when you look at the team you know it is it's a good team there are some talented players there and yeah I just want to see yeah I'm kind of rooting for Spurs I just want to see them do good and I hope they do have a better season of course Manchester City like I say we'll talk about them a little bit later on in the podcast as well but with this result, I'm, I'm sure they will bounce back, um, but they have, um, I am, don't think I'm incorrect in this, in that they're facing Arsenal next. Um, Alejandro, do you think that City now have to be winning the league this season for it to be a success, as you know, we'll talk about later, but they are no longer in the Champions League, of course? I don't know if they need to win the, t- the title, but this defeat must be a point for this team. And even after this disappointment in the Women's Champions League and this backhand in the Super League, this should be the moment for Man City to say, Take, let's take some decisions and let's focus 200% on the title. Now it comes Arsenal. It's, it's another contender for the title and they have started so well. But they need to show that they are Manchester City. They are one of the best rosters in the competition. And they need to fight for the title. But um, here is my two cents about this. I don't know if Gareth Taylor will be the coach who can lead this ta- this team to the championship. Mm. I I understand what you mean because I guess when you look that they've they've kind of come close, but they've not really had enough to kind of have that extra push. And I guess we'll have to see what happens, you know, with the table because I guess if you know by Christmas they're not first or second and then you and if other teams like you know potentially Manchester United or you know definitely Arsenal I would think you know and making that step up and they're not considering the team that they've got you might be onto something there I guess we'll have to wait and see um what happens with them and let's hope that they can um and they can bounce back against Arsenal we'll have to wait and see it will be a very very big game um, meanwhile, over in Spain, it was, of course, the Madrid derby over the weekend, which saw Atletico take home a 2-0 victory. Emily, what did you make of the game? After knocking out Manchester City of the Champions League, like we're going to talk in a little bit, um, you really would expect Real Madrid to be in their groove for that match. You know, it's a huge, huge clash. It's like the second, I believe it was just the second match day of the season. Um, So, you know, that's three points right up front that you need to take hold of. But really, nothing was clicking for the hosts, like, at all. 
Um, Atletico, on the other hand, very composed. You know, they took what they were given and they just worked with it and they managed to walk away with all three points um, in a way victory for them. That's massive. They were organized. They knew where Real Madrid's weak spots were and they executed their game plan perfectly. So very opposite performances. But like I said, the visitors, as much as it pains me to say, they deserve the three points there. Yeah, I mean, Alejandro, does the defeat, I mean, I guess when you're thinking about you're in the Champions League, so have you kind of put the defeat to the back of your mind or are you still taking it quite seriously that it was still quite painful for you? Mm, let's say one thing. A defeat for Real Madrid always matters. Of I don't course. Know, I know that Real didn't have the, uh, its best midfielders and they were many of them injured. And we have only two matches in the Spanish league, but a defeat, a defeat against Atletico Madrid is always painful because it's a derby and you want to win your neighbors in the city. So I think I hope Real Madrid le- learns the lesson after this and they recover and we can have in the next derby of Madrid a better version of Athletic, of Real Madrid. Fingers crossed. I mean, Emily, you kind of you know touched on it, talking about you know what you made of the game, Real Madrid's defense you know, did let them down at times. Do you think that this is something to be concerned about this early on in the season or you're not too worried yet? I think David Asner will have to do some tinkering for sure. You know, over the two match days, they've conceded six goals. um, And that's not exactly what you want to start the season with at all. And they've also scored none. So you're at negative Mm -hmm. six. So I think that kind of screams, okay, maybe something is happening. But like Alejandro said, there were a few players missing, especially in the midfield. You know, that helps stop your transition and whatnot. But I think if it continues to have um, kind of frustrating, I'll say poor defensive performances by the end of the month, um, then I think there are some major concerns. Right now, I think they can turn it around, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I guess it, it is early days. Things can definitely, you know, be worked on, like you say. Um, Alejandro, do you think that seeing how Atleti have played in their first two league games shows maybe, you know, the experience that this side does have in the league? Um, you know, because that they seem to have been able to have bounced back from last season so far. They've been able to recover. Do you, do you think that's quite an impressive thing and maybe shows, like I say, their experience? Uh, really, the way Atleti played in the beginning of the season made me, makes me feel very optimistic about Rocky Blancas for this year because they went last year and uh, uh, going nowhere, and they uh, but they they have recovered the path and they can, I think they can dream big this season. Let's say also we are seeing that, for example, for me, Dana Castellanos that she came to Atletico Madrid, but she didn't, she wasn't the the key player she was going, she was supposed to be in the beginning. Now she's being, the, she's starting to be the player who is making the difference and that is giving Atleti a huge boost in all levels. So I think Atleti can have a, a really pretty, pretty nice season if they do the things well. Yeah, definitely reasons to be optimistic for them. Now, Emily, you kind of touched on it, you know, Real Madrid have dropped to last in the table, they've got zero points, it's it's not looking good, but in their defence, they have, of course, played Levante and Atletico Madrid in their first two games. It was never, you know, going to be plain sailing. Um, I'll come to you first, Emily, but what do you think that we need to see from Real Madrid now moving forward? 
scoring. Yeah, <laughs> that would be good. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, it's the point of the game. And they did bring in Esther Gonzalez from Levante, and they did that for a reason. You know, yeah. she was on fire, um, not just last season, but a few seasons before that as well when she was with um, Atletico Madrid. But it's just a matter of time until she starts clicking. I'm not going to put too much pressure on her yet. You know, it's fairly new with the team still. But, um, yeah, scoring, it's just... They haven't scored enough. And even in the Champions League, it was a 1-1 draw with City in the first leg and then 1-0 in the second leg. So that's only two goals over four four games. Um, not exactly what you want to have right at the start. But um, like we touched on earlier, another thing would just be, you know, kind of staying on the same page in the back line. A bit more organizing could really help. But just give it time and we'll see how things go, like I said. How about you, Alejandro? I'm assuming you'd also like to maybe see a few goals. <laughs> Yeah, of course, scoring, but also I would like to get also back the injured players because if we see the injuries, they have destroyed Real Madrid in the beginning of the season. And even top of, top of that, uh, Real has made a miracle on champions. Uh, also, we need to try to get back on track in the, on the victory mood and giving good advice to the fans, to the fans in terms of playing because I, I've seen there have been some moments when Real Madrid has tremendous problems in defense transitions during these first games. But I hope that within the past of the match days, uh, David Aznar can solve this and we can see a better Real Madrid. Well, fingers crossed uh, that they can, you know, uh, pull pull it out of the bag. And hopefully now that they've got these two games out of the way, um, we will see a better uh, Real Madrid. I've got my fingers crossed for both of you. Um, now, this week I thought that we would also chat about the National Women's Soccer League over in the USA. Last weekend, Portland Thorns got an important win over North Carolina Courage, who are third in the league. Meanwhile, um, O.L. Reign, who are just three points off Thorns at the top of the table, also got an important win over Washington Spirit that they actually didn't have to even play to get three points. Um, Emily, what have you made of the season so far? It's been a very mixed bag this season, I mm. think. You know, no team's really taken control, but, you know, that really keeps it exciting. It's unfortunate, though, to see some of the off-field controversy happening. You know, like you mentioned, Angelina, that match where um, Rain didn't even have to play, I believe it was Washington Spirit, um, just because of some COVID-19 issues. So they got awarded the three points. But all the controversy aside, it's a very, very exciting season this time around. And it's going to be tight at the top of the table in terms of who wins the title. It will be. It is looking uh, very competitive at the top. And of course, you know, last season, well, the season that wasn't cancelled was back in 2019 that saw North Carolina Courage top the group. Um, you know, Thorns were nine points behind in third. So th there's definitely been a little bit of a shift. And Alejandro, do you think that this win for Thorns, you know, was very important to maybe keep that distance as best they can between first and second? Yeah, I think Paul and Thorns is having a wonderful season and they have two games less than the rivals. So this victory makes them makes them at least the biggest candidate of the title or uh, they have the right to fight for it because they are they have maybe the best roster in the competition and they can be the be the team that can get another championship. Yes, it it will be interesting um you know to to see what happens and of course, um, Mark Parsons, who is the head coach of Thorns, will be departing um, to manage the Netherlands women's national team. Emily, do you feel like since, you know, he knows that this will be his last season, that we're seeing maybe an even more determined side than usual to win the league, especially after getting that International Champions Cup? 
It's definitely in the back of their mind for sure. Um, I think besides Parsons leaving for the Netherlands national team, the championship's also in Portland. So they're the hosts. That's just all everything together is a dream send off ideal world. That would be the way Portland Thorns players or fans that would have, that would be how they want things to end. Um, but Parsons actually is on double duty right now. So he's managing Thorns and he also made his trip to the Netherlands ahead of the international break window. I saw that on the Dutch women's national team's social media. So, you know, he has a lot on his plate right now. Yeah. That could make things a little bit more difficult, um, but it would be a dream for them. And on a side note, this is the Canadian coming out in me. <laughs> it could also be a potential send off for Christine Sinclair as well. So We'll have to wait and see what happens, but I think it would be um, ideal situation for them. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of plates spinning in the air for them. Hopefully, uh, you know, they can pull it off. Now, touching on rain, um, they seem to do pretty well in the transfer window, benefiting, um, you know, from a few players thanks to Olympic Leon. They were set to face Spirit over the weekend, which, like I say, you know, was forfeited by the Washington side due to what is being called breaches of the league's medical protocols. I think the rumours flying around, is it something to do with um, COVID protocols and things like that? And per FIFA guidelines, Rain were awarded a 3-0 win and three points. Emily, you know, you kind of touched on it there. Things aren't really looking great for Spirit at the moment. The forfeit, um, struggles between the co-owners, their coach stepped down and is being investigated into allegations of verbal and emotional abuse. Um, regarding, you know, things happening on the pitch, they are in sixth place, but Alejandro, some changes here need to be made, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they have, they need to be, they have to be made some changes. It's been this season, a controversial one for them because they have not only changed the coach because of this, uh, issue, but also they have, uh, changed the president. And I think they will have this rebuilding season before they are able to fight for bigger things. Uh, nowadays, I think they should keep the goal to keep in, in keeping that sixth place and fight for the most they can in the league. Mm. Yeah, it will be interesting to see, you know, what happens, and hopefully, you know, if these if these allegations, you know, are, are true, then the people that have, you know, su- suffered from them, they they get some kind of justice and. Like I say, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, going back to, you know, Rain now, looking at the the transfers that they've made, Emily, um, I guess you're feeling a little bit more positive about their season than Spirits, put it that way. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Um, like you said, that transfer window was a huge, huge boost for them. Some of the players coming in from Lyon, they're the best in the business. You know, you have Le Samea, Buhari, Marajan, and then also Jess Fishlock. So it's that's just an incredible window alone. Um, bringing in even half of those players, just two of them would be great, but they brought in all four. So, you know, I think it's a big, big turnaround for Rain. And hey, they're in second, so seems to be working out. It does. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to see what they do. I mean, a- another team that's, um, you know, kind of been in the mix towards that top part of the table at times has been Orlando Pride. Um they have a pretty impressive roster of players. Um, and whilst we have seen, you know, good wins against the likes of Racing Louisville, Gotham FC, Chicago Red Stars, etc., we haven't quite seen the best performances against teams like Portland Thorns, you know, North Carolina Courage, Rain, etc., which I guess really are the teams that if you want that title, you have to be beating. Alejandro, do you think that this team perhaps may need another season to get into their groove before they can be true contenders? Or are you feeling confident in what you've seen so far? 
I think they will need a little bit more of time before they can they can fight for bigger things in the league because they are building a new team and they need to get the players to mix on a good way. But uh, Orlando Pride has become one of the flagship teams of, uh, of uh, the American League in the in the last years, and that's going to be the key for their success in the in the in the in the in the, in the coming future. Uh, also, the players they have brought make them a contender to focus in. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like you say, they've got some pretty impressive players. And um, yeah, it will be interesting to see where they actually do place. Um, But yeah, very good to talk about uh, the league over in the US. Um, Finally, last but by no means least, we of course have to talk about the Champions League draw, the qualifiers that happened last week. It's all been going on. Now, unfortunately, Levante will not feature this season as Leon did defeat them four goals to two on aggregate. Emily, do you feel like this was probably the expected result? And do you feel like this will perhaps be a blessing in disguise for Levante looking at how, you know, competitive the Spanish league could be this season, excluding obviously Barcelona probably winning it? Well, first of all, going up against seven-time winners, Lyon, you, you can't count them out. So yeah. to be honest, I'm, I'm like, I'm not surprised. Mm. Um, however, Levante did show that they can compete. Um, you know, whenever Leon, I looked back at the score sheets and whenever Leon scored, they hit back within minutes. I'm yeah. talking for, I think it was between four to six minutes. They're like, okay, try this. Um, so, you know, they responded well, but I do think you're right. It is unfortunate that, you know, they're out of the competition, but this could be a blessing in disguise, as you said, Angelina, because, you know, they can focus on the Spanish league and they hit Real Madrid 4-0 in their opener. So they seem kind of on route to making their stance known in the league domestically. So it's just if they can keep up their performances, then maybe they could claim a spot in next year's Champions League from that alone. So unfortunate result, kind of expected though, because again, it is Lyon, but um, it could be a benefit for Levante in the end. Yeah, I definitely think um, it it could work out as a benefit. Like I say, I'm not expecting them to be, be, you know, take it over from Barcelona at the top. I think, you know, we're all kind of on that same page of they do seem pretty unstoppable at the moment, but you never know what can happen, you know, with them, like you say, solely focusing on that, um, you know, best of luck to them in it. It's going to be very, very competitive indeed. Another big team that will not be in the competition as we kind of touched on before is of course Manchester City. They were quarterfinalists in the competition last season, but would defeated 2-1 by Real Madrid in the qualifiers. Um, Claudio Zorzona's first half strike was enough for the Spanish side um, who celebrated qualifying for their first ever Champions League competition. Alejandro, how are you feeling? I think that I'm feeling like the Real Madrid is sending a message to the world of women's football that Real Madrid is here, that this is, they are not taking the women's football as a hobby, as a temporary hobby. And they want to shine and write their own history. Uh, many girls they have dreamed with have, with playing in Real Madrid, and now this dream is becoming true. And now the, the many girls they will have the dream to become European champions with Real Madrid. And I hope it can become true soon. Yes, fingers crossed for you. I know that your your ambition will be up there. I must ask Alejandro: Did your um, superstitions did they actually happen? No, no, no. We, it oh. didn't happen. For example, but it didn't happen because they were they were in the normal in the normal clothes, not nothing suits uh, going going to the trip. We didn't have also the picture of the captain going down with the sunglasses. 
and also Florentino wasn't able to travel because it was the, the, the same day as the presentation of uh, Camavinga in the men's team. But finally, uh, Real Madrid they took out the the Real Madrid history on the European on the European Cup, and they they showed that uh, they were able to fight for it. And also, I will keep with one moment of the tie. For me, is when Babet Peter is after the final whistle. She goes down down to the pitch and she starts to shout and celebrate with Ivan with Ivan Andres. It reminds me a lot how the how the the hierarchy of this player how she has she has won everything with Wolfsburg with the German national team and now she wants to win same with Real Madrid. So really, that's for me the image of the of the of the tie. Yeah, it, it was great to see them do so well. Emily, in case you're thinking, what are we talking about? Alejandro <laughs> has spoken about his superstitions of three things that have to happen for Real Madrid to be successful in that the players have to be dressed smartly, the captain must wear sunglasses and Perez must be there to be kind of shaking hands with the players. So we were hoping that all of that would happen. We're a little bit worried because obviously it didn't happen, but... Real Madrid don't need superstitions. They're absolutely doing all right without them, which is is very good. Um, now, Emily, obviously, uh, get your thoughts as well on seeing Real Madrid get that win. And also, do you think that, you know, fans maybe like Alejandro should have these high expectations of the team in the competition? Um, because at the end of the day, Real Madrid as you know, a brand, as a club, has such a strong, successful history in this competition. You know, I think it's a bit of a loaded question um, <laughs> because like you said, they've like just the club brand is so big in this competition on the men's side. But for Real Madrid Femenino, it's it's their first year in the competition. So you're talking about a team that's been in the competition for what feels like forever compared to a team who's coming in for the first time. So one, I think fans can definitely be excited because the mentality is the same. Whether we're talking about the men's team or the women's team, it's going to be the exact same in the Champions League. It's going to be the exact same in the Spanish League. Get to the top, win the competitions. That's what um, Real Madrid has as a brand, you know? Never give up until literally the last second. Mm. Um, but the women's team, they're rookies, and that's that's just a fact. So I think... Fans shouldn't be too surprised or upset if they drop out quickly. Getting to be one of the best in the competition takes time, whether you're talking about the men's competition or the women's competition. Um, but again, the mentality of the club, it can be done. And if they go off to win it in their first season, um, that's just a testament. So we'll have to wait and see, but it's a very, very exciting times. I mean, I don't have a horse in this race. Manchester United are nowhere near it. So you know what? <laughs> Real Madrid to win the Champions League. Why the devil not? Um, well, obviously, Manchester City will not be uh, winning it as it wasn't great. I mean, in the first leg, they didn't look good. Um, and whilst they did get close in the second half of the second leg, you know, I know that Ellen White had a really good chance. But in the first half, you know, they really did struggle to contain Real Madrid. And in my opinion, I feel like they were lucky that the lead was not greater. Um, Andrew, do you feel like Real were the better team on the whole over the both legs? Uh, for sure, really. Real, they were in this in this tie, what they have been in all the history in, in Europe, in all the history. A team that, even if they can have problems, and they are not in, the best, in their best shape, uh, Europe is the, vitamin, is, the, is the vitamin that boosts them. We saw it in the first leg. Real Madrid didn't start well, but they controlled the game after only the bad luck and, and a mistake made them to get a draw. But on the second game, Real was much better than City. 
only the, the moment you are mentioning when, when Ellen White gets close, it was the only one where Real Madrid was trembling a little bit. But in general terms, Real Madrid was much better in the Titan City. Mm, yeah, no, I, I I definitely agree. I think they were on on the whole the better the better side. I mean, for Manchester City, we've spoken about it before on the podcast, but you know there has been a lot of talk, a lot of rumors about the team not really having a preseason, and their manager Gareth Taylor, you know, has spoken about it, has admitted that you know perhaps this is the case, but has refused to blame their Champions League exit on this. But Emily, do you think that it it's maybe played some kind of role? I think it can be a factor for sure. You know, you need time to work the kinks out of the squad, readjust your goals, get your game plan going, um, then get back in the swing of things. Preseason is definitely needed. But just to counter that, injuries or not, the players on the pitch um, in that game in particular, they, they know each other very well. Mm. It's not like there's a lot of new players um, coming in and had to kind of figure out their groove. The City squad, like we talked about earlier, they have one of the best squads. Yeah. Um, so... They know how to play with each other. They know the kind of play that the manager would want. Um, so it's it was kind of, um, I'll say, confusing yet interesting to see how both legs um, played out. I know the first one, I was in the airport, so I only caught half of it. Um, but it was the second half, so good for Real Madrid. But it was just interesting to see how City were playing, almost like as if they didn't really know what the game plan was. So it's it's kind of a two-sided thing. Yeah, it is quite interesting. And of course, he's also spoken about the Olympics. Um, City did have a lot of players that travelled to Tokyo. Um, and he's, you know, kind of spoken that that's, you know, knocked the team a little bit. The goalkeeper, Ellie Roebuck, midfielder, Kira Walsh, um, you know, Chloe Kelly, uh, Lucy Bronze, all out of action. Ellen White and Georgia Stanway have been shaking off knocks. So, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying as well, Emily, though, because it's like this is a team that knows each other very, very well. It's not like it's a starting eleven where three quarters of the team, they've never, you know, played a game of football together. And I'm definitely kind of looking at it sideways as to how, I mean, at the end of the day, Real Madrid were the better team, but, you know, how they've kind of let this slip. Um and yeah, I do also get it that there have been injuries. So Alejandro, do you think that maybe looking at these injuries, considering all of this, perhaps once this squad is fitter, we will see a stronger Manchester City? Or for you, is there quite a serious concern here? I think we'll probably see a stronger Manchester City because really they have had a similar problem as Real Madrid is having now as at the beginning of the season. Injuries and players out of action. For example, they didn't have some of the best players in the Women's Champions League tie, and it, and that was crucial for them. And I think the uh, the movie would have been different if Lucy Bronze had played both legs, because really players like players like her they give hierarchy to the team, and hierarchy is something that is all in these ties of Champions League. Yeah, I I agree. I think um, Bronze's absence is is very obvious. Um, but, yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens with Manchester City. I would like to think that they will rally um, and they'll, you know, find their groove again. Um, but, yeah, a little bit worrying. It's not been the best week for them, but, you know, I'm sure they will bounce back in the end. Now, of course, the draw has been made for the Champions League. There are some amazing group games on the horizon. I cannot wait for this one. Um, 
This is the first Women's Champions League season to have these group stages and the games are set to start on the 5th and 6th of October. So mark your calendars. Now let's go through these groups. So group A, we have got Chelsea, Wolfsburg, Juventus and Servette. Emily, would you say this is maybe the group of death? For sure. First, you know, Chelsea were drawn first and then Wolfsburg. You already know that this is going to be a tough group, even yeah. just with the two of them. Um, then Juventus come in. And for me, they're kind of my underdogs. They're very strong last season in Italy. We'll have to see how they do with a new manager and, you know, in this competition. But I wouldn't put it past them to steal some points off of the other clubs. So, you know, we could be in for a three-way race and it's going to be very, very close. But I, yeah, I have to agree. This one is the group of death for me. Definitely. Of course, last season, Chelsea did beat Wolfsburg, who have been, you know, in five finals since 2013, standard really. Um, now, they have met these two teams, they've met four times in six seasons. Alejandro, do you think that Wolfsburg will perhaps be out for revenge this time around after being knocked out in the quarterfinals by Chelsea? Mm, I don't think so, really. I think Chelsea has learned the, season, the lesson from the last season and they are ready to shine and go for the biggest things in the in the Champions League. And also comparing pound by pound both rosters, I think Chelsea is one or even two steps ahead of Wolfsburg. So I think really it's not the time for revenge for the German team. Well, we'll have to wait and see. I understand what you mean with that. Looking at Chelsea's uh, Chelsea's squad, you would think they would have it in the bag. Who knows if Wolfsburg can maybe surprise. We'll have to wait and see. Now, of course, Juventus last season crashed out in the round of 32 to Leon. Um, they lost 6-2, wasn't great. But, you know, a team like Leon, it's it can happen sometimes. Emily, do you feel like this is an important season in Europe for Juventus to perhaps prove that they can be successful outside of Syria? 1,000%. It's the next step for the club, and they're going to have to show that they can compete with some of the best in the business. Um, looking at last season's, you know, Leon, as I said before, they're one of the best, if not the best, uh, even if they don't win. So they have a history in the competition. So that's always going to be a tight fixture. But this year, how they perform in the later stages, if they get through, is just going to be key. Making it out of that group will be huge for them, um, just because it is a group of death, without a doubt. So um, that being said, though, I don't think there's any pressure on them to win. Kind of like Real Madrid, they just need to start building their foundation in this competition. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see if they can overcome the first hurdle of the group stage. Yeah, and no, I'm kind of kind of rooting for them. I think it will be good to see uh, see how they do. I mean, which two teams do you see qualifying, Alejandro? I'll say Chelsea and Wolfsburg being Chelsea the first qualified in the group. What about you, Emily? I think Chelsea is first, and then Juventus is second. Oh, I might have to go with you on that one, Emily. I've just got a good feeling about Juventus. Um, Wolfsburg may pull it out of the bag, but I'll I'll go with, with Chelsea first and Juventus. Now, Group B, we have got PSG. My apologies for my pronunciation, but Breda Blick, Real Madrid and Kharkiv. Now, Alejandro, PSG and Real Madrid is certain to be one of the blockbuster games in the competition, isn't it? It's going to be the game of the year, really. After all what has happened in the last transfer market and the relations between both clubs, all fans, they want to see a game between these <laughs> two teams, really. 
I know on the paper PSG is the favorite for both games, and they are, and they are the, the, the they have even a better team than Real Madrid. But this is the Women's Champions League, and you know what happens. True, anything can happen in this competition, as we have seen before. Um, regarding the other two teams. Emily, can you see them maybe causing any major problems? Like we say, you've you know you never know what can happen in the competition. But are you expecting any upsets from them? You know what, I am. Okay, good. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's the Champions League, like you said. So anything can happen, and these teams, you know, they've made it all the way to the group stage, and they're not coming to get knocked out of the group stage. They're coming yeah. to make it to the next round. So. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to depend. I know PSG, very strong squad. Real Madrid doing okay, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think the other two could cause problems. I wouldn't be surprised if either team took a few points off of the others. You know, a draw, uh, even a nil-nil draw might happen. Who knows? So I think it's possible, though, absolutely. Yeah, you can't rule people out, I guess. Alejandro, which two teams uh, do you see qualifying? Which order? Uh, Real Madrid and PSG. With P- with Real Madrid as first qualified. I like the confidence. Emily, how about you? Despite what I just said in the previous question, <laughs> um, I do. I agree with Alejandro. It's going to be uh, PSG and Real Madrid, but I think PSG will take top spot there. Yeah, I think, oh, it's going to be a tough one. I hope I'm wrong, but I think PSG may be at the top and Real Madrid in second. But you know what? As long as you get out of the group, doesn't matter if you're first or second. Well, I guess it kind of does with the draw, but forget about that. As long as you get out of the group, that's all that matters. That's what I am telling myself with the Manchester United men's team anyway. Put it that way. Um, (laughs) Now, Group C, we have got Barcelona, Arsenal, Hoffenheim, and I'm going to say Koj. This is another group that... It's not the group of death, but it won't be easy. You know, Hoffenheim have got off to a good start this season. Last season, they were, you know, the team closest to perhaps chasing the likes of Bayern Munich and Wolfsburg. And they've done well to get into the Champions League, you know, and props to Germany because there are three German teams in this competition. Alejandro, do you think that that, you know, really speaks to perhaps, you know, the quality that is in this league, you know, well done to all three of them. Um, Because Hoffenheim did beat Rosengard, who did get to the quarterfinals last year in order to get to the group stage. Uh, really, that's, that th- this talks very well about the German Bundesliga, one league that is it has been always one of the best in Europe, and this that they have three teams in the stage of the Women's Champions League shows the quality of these champions and the competitiveness of the of the of the league. Mm. Probably uh, Hoffenheim they will struggle on the group because they are having Barth, Barca and Arsenal, and it's that's always complicated, but. I think that trying to Germany, it will not be easy for both of them, really. I think that we maybe we can have a surprise in one of the trips to Germany from of from of Barca or Arsenal. I was thinking the same. They could cause a little bit of upset. Of course, you know Barcelona against Arsenal is going to be a very very exciting game. Um, and Emily, do you think it may be a you know a good test for Arsenal because they missed out on the competition last season? They've made some good signings this season. They have you know, got a new manager and, you know, perhaps playing against Barcelona as much as, you know, if I was a player, I'd be quite nervous. But, you know, it's it's a, a good game to be a part of and a good test to, you know, see where they stand against, you know, the best in Europe. 
Absolutely. I think this is the fixture that I'm the most excited for yeah. in the group stage. Um, first of all, there's two of them, so that's going to be great. Mm. Um, but I think Arsenal are playing really, really well. Um, on a side note, though, Barcelona are not going to want to just be one-time winners. They're going to want to defend their title for of sure. Course. So the two are going to go uh, right to the death for top spot in the group. It's going to be a huge test for the English club, I think. But, you know, I'm not counting them out. They look really, really good this season so far, so... I'm very excited. It's going to be an intense, uh, an intense matchup between the two of them. It will be. I think intense is the the perfect word to describe it. Now, looking at the the four teams, Alejandro, which two do you see qualifying? I'll say Barca and Arsenal. They are both the both favourites to qualify, and I think they will do it easily. Yeah, I would probably agree, Emily. How about you? I agree too. Yeah. 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 Um, our final group, Group D, we have got Bayern Munich, Leon, Hacken, and Benfica. Alejandro, Bayern Munich against Leon. Again, another huge, huge game in the group stage. What are your initial thoughts? Do you think that Leon will walk this one or maybe they will be put to the test? I think that Leon is the big favourite and I think they will get a victory when they face Bayern Munich. They have the weight of history of them, and they will try to perform their best against Bayern. Also, the roster of Lyon is always wonderful. It's always a dream team, and they are the favourites to win the group of the competition. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And uh, it will be interesting to see, you know, if, if Bayern can cause a little bit of an upset. But I'm sure, you know, like you say, what with what happened last season, Lyon will be fully focused on, you know, trying to get that trophy back. Now, of course, um, BK Hacken... They are in this group stage. They were known as Copperbergs, Goatborg FC, up until 2020. The club's board announced its intention to cease operating, but then they reversed the decisions. And since then, um, the club has become the women's department of Hacken. A lot has been going on with this club. It's been a real roller coaster in the last year. So, Emily, it's, it's great to see them in the competition, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's always unfortunate when a club wants to, you know, cease operation, but to overcome all of that, kind of rebrand and then also make it to the group stages when just looking at who qualified, you know, Manchester City didn't. Um, just kind of all of that put together is I think it's a big, big thing for this club. So it's great to see and we'll have to see, you know, how can they fare against the likes of Bayern, Lyon and Benfica. Yes, it's. Um, I've I've got my fingers crossed for them. I hope uh, mm-hmm. they manage to get a few points because they definitely deserve it. And I think even if they, I, I mean, I would. I'm not expecting them to get out of the group. If I'm being honest, but even if they don't get out of the group, it is still you know a brilliant achievement for them to have got so far. Because like you say, teams like Manchester City, Levante, you know, aren't here, but they are. Um, Alejandro, which two teams do you see qualifying? Uh, Leon and Bayern, they are the two teams I see that they will qualify easily. Yeah, I agree. What about you, Emily? I agree, but I have Bayern on top. Oh, okay. Bayern on top. You know what? I'm here for it. Like I say, I have no horse in this race, so I am invested in any kind of dramatics and upset. It's always great to watch as a neutral. Now, um, you know, just finishing off talking about the Champions League, uh, do you already have a winner in mind? Emily, have you got your eye on a team already? No, not at all. I think this is the most confused I've ever been. (laughs) Um, It was a really interesting transfer window for half the teams involved, you know, Mm. that creates, there's been an interesting start to the season in each league. 
um, plenty of upsets, plenty of talking points. I, I don't know. I really think this competition is going to be wide open. And I don't think we're really going to have um, any idea as to who might take the title until at least the quarters. I agree. I think it's a very, very, you know what, in both the, the men's and women's Champions League this season, I think it's one of the most, in my opinion anyway, one of the most open competitions that we've had in a long time. Alejandro, what about you? Have you already got a winner in mind or are you waiting to see what happens? I think I will save my opinion for the semifinals Ooh, because okay. this is very this is very open competition and we don't know who can reach now every anything. But as the replicant in Blade Runner would have said, I've seen things you wouldn't believe. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's a nice way to finish. I mean, of course, for both of you, I will have my fingers crossed uh, for Real Madrid. Um, but yeah, it is shaping up to be a very exciting season ahead in Europe. So that is everything for today's Women's Football Podcast. As always, a big thank you to my guests, to Alejandro and to Emily for joining me and to all of you for listening. If you do want to get in touch, it is podcast at onefootball.com and make sure that you head to SoundCloud, Apple Music, etc. to hear more from OneFootball. Football.